Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Canner Podcast. Nikki Nablevi joins me today, and this is her second appearance on the Fitness Canner Podcast. Uh, she is a Pilates instructor, a fitness educator, and the co-host of the Moving Well Podcast. And if you haven't checked out the Moving Well Podcast, I highly recommend it. Tons of good and useful information all across the board from uh, different researchers, exercise uh, professionals uh, all across the board. So give that a check. And uh, Nikki, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming back on. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me here. And thanks for the little plug for the podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, you got to keep it going. That's the only thing that, that, that keeps uh, everything in flow, people just checking different stuff out. So um, the last time you and I were on, we, we were getting into the, the importance of, of different joints and different uh, stabil- stability systems. And one thing that you were really keen on were how important the, the hips are. And I actually, uh, in a conversation with, with a friend probably, oh, it's been a couple weeks now, we were talking about just how important the hips are because she, she's a, an aging woman and she's worried about falling eventually and, you know, keeping uh, – keeping out of the hospital, uh, more or less. And there, there's a lot that goes into the hips, but the hips I would consider to be almost the powerhouse of the entire body. Your hips start to shut down, your hips get tight, your hips get weak, and then that can lead to some knee issues. It can lead to, which in turn can go down to the ankles, the low back, the, the whole nine yards. So in a sense, it, it really is the, the powerhouse of the body. And um, I know you feel very passionate about that also. So um, give us some of your thoughts on, on how we can keep the, the hips and in, in all, of, all of everything that includes the hips stable and healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the thing about hips is it's not that like shoulders, for example, aren't important, but right, exactly. But like you have to, like every time you get up and walk around, like you kind of have to use your hips. And if they don't work very well, then it's not going to end very well for you. It's not going to be a very comfortable living experience, shall we say. So as far as like areas, like, I don't know, like, I feel like if you have like a little hand issue, it's easier to ignore it. But when your hip is out, you're like, oh, oh, man. So, so on that note, um, I mean, we could obviously go down all sorts of technical rabbit holes here. But in general, I think the thing that's important to remember with hips, and the thing that we don't always think about is sort of just how we're using them, or maybe I should even say not using them. Because for a lot of us, uh, even those of us who are in fitness, we spend a lot of time in static postures, namely sitting. 
And when you're sitting, you're pretty much training your hips to be really good at sitting and not much else. And so then even when we're active, we get up out of our chair. And for most of us, because I'd like to say, especially those of us who are into fitness or a little bit of overachievers, we don't think about like the progression that it might take to like get your hips ready to go do some tasks. We just go, cool, I sat in my chair all day and now I'm going to go on my 13 mile run or now I'm going to go lift my big heavy weights, which are all great things, but they're also really linear motions and it's kind of like going from A to Z without ever preparing your body to do that and then you end up with some discomfort pain and stiffness and go huh why so I think this idea of working our hips sort of gradually gently in all ranges of motion is a really important one and not one that we tend to usually think about we tend to think of hip strength as like oh I'll just go do some squats you know what I mean yep oh definitely I think a really you made a good point about we just kind of think, you know, as somebody will say, going out on a run, which everybody knows me, knows I'm not a runner. But <laughs> going out on a run and something happens, you people automatically assume, ah, it just comes with the territory, right? Well, right. Then, well, then you get used to that feeling, and then you know like a quarter mile into your run, your hip's going to act up or whatever the case is. But, ah, that's all part of it. But you're not doing anything to prevent those feelings. You're not doing anything to counteract those feelings. Uh, you just kind of keep pushing through, and the issue never resolves itself. Right. And then to take that another step further, because we accepted fitness for some reason that pain is a normal part of fitness, which it's not, no, right? It's not. You, you should be able to do things you want to do without hurting. We ignore it. And then it's not like it goes away or it even stays consistent. It actually gets worse as we get older. And then we fall into the old adage of like, oh, it's just, I'm getting old. And I'm like, you're 36. You're not old. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I feel that way and I'm almost 35. So <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm actually, I'm extremely uh, lucky and blessed to have a pretty good joint structure overall. I don't do too many crazy things. I have had a knee surgery, but luckily no, um, no ramifications after that. And my hips are pretty in pretty good shape. So, um, so this whole idea of let's say somebody's out on a run and they feel this this inkling in their in their hip. I see it a lot, and I know you probably do too. the The immediate thing that someone wants to do is stretch right away. Boom, you want to go right to it. And I think it's not that stretching is bad. We we all know that a certain amount of stretching can be good, depending on what you need to be flexible for. But stretching is a form of activity. You're sending a signal to a certain area, and if you are just like anything else, just like if you were strength training, if you keep sending that uh, signal to the, to the muscle, to the, the central nervous system, it doesn't always know that you want it to, to relax or to become healthy again. Uh, do you have any thoughts on, on the flexibility portion or yeah. the stretching portion, I guess? Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's one of those things where this is, to quote my, uh, my friend and colleague Trina Altman, like she'll, because she, she works with a lot with yogis when this happens, well, they'll be like, well, I just keep doing hip openers and my hips still hurt. And she's like, well, to quote Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you? <laughs> so, 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 right? So, yeah. so the thing about it is if you're having hip discomfort or pain, I mean, first off, if it's long-term, like see a doctor, 
please. Mm -hmm. uh, but in general, if we step away from the, you should see a doctor bit, which you should, if you are doing like, let's say you're a runner or a lifter, and then afterwards you stretch and you stretch and you stretch your probably tight hip flexors, tight IT band, and they still feel tight, then the, it's probably not that stretching is bad, but it's probably not the answer. And to go a little bit into the science in a very loose and open way, uh, what they're finding a lot now uh, in terms of tight, in terms of like this idea of tightness is tightness is a misnomer. So when something feels tight, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a short, strong muscle. In fact, for a lot of us, it's actually quite the opposite. A lot of the time when something feels tight, it actually is because the area around the joint is weak. And when your nervous system senses weakness around a joint, it tenses up the muscles to try to tell you like, oh, you can't control this range of motion. So maybe you shouldn't go there. And then to take it one step further, if you're doing a lot of static stretching where you're hanging off of your joints for a long period of time, if let's say you have this weakness that your body is perceiving you have, if you go and you tug on it and you hang out there for a long time, you can actually increase your risk of injury because what we're finding now is that a lot of injuries take place at end range of motion. And that's because mm -hmm. that's usually where we are weakest uh, in a movement. Does that kind of make sense? Oh, no, it definitely makes sense. And you touched on something interesting because a lot of people automatically assume that uh, if they have tightness around the knee joint or the hip joint, it automatically is what? The IT band. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and we're starting to find out more, like you said, that that might not always be the issue. So what kind of, what kind of feedback can you give people who think they might have because uh, the, the reason why I bring this, this up is because just because an area is inflamed and you could put this around any kind of joint, doesn't necessarily mean that specific area is the issue. Another muscle or another tissue could be sending a signal and it just so happens um, to, to locate itself in, you know, like a shoulder joint or a hip joint or something like that. So that doesn't necessarily mean the hip is the issue or the joint is the issue, but it could be something else. Absolutely. And so if we look at the IT band, for example, because that's a really common one. I mean, people love to hate on their IT band. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I almost feel sorry for it. We hate on it so much. But, <laughs> but the thing is, if something feels tight or restricted, it's important to ask why. Why is, it, why is your body doing this? Because your body isn't out to get you. It's actually trying to protect you. So in the case of the IT band, I think what a lot of people first off don't realize is that that structure is there for kind of like lateral support and stability when you move in locomotion. And ideally, and by locomotion, I mean walking or running. That sounded way fancier than it should have been. <laughs> like locomotion. So <laughs> What's that song, that. the locomotion to the locomotion? That's right. exactly what I thought of, only someone wearing like abduction bands. That would be amazing, and we should put that on YouTube. But anyway, right. <laughs> maybe for Halloween. So in the case of your IT band, right, it's creating lateral support to kind of help propel you through space or support on the outside of your leg. And so ideally, your IT band is not the only thing that does this. Like you have the support of like the deep lateral hip rotator. So again, those are muscles like deep in your hip and your glutes and some other things. And for a lot of us, we're actually quite weak in these um, 
deep lower rotators in these hip, in these outer hip muscles. And so what happens is, is these outer hip muscles that are deep, they're often called local stabilizers. They're the ones that are responsible for controlling where your leg moves in space. And mm -hmm. for a lot of us, when we train, because these muscles respond to gentle movement, high rep, low load, low tone, AKA really boring, slow exercises. If you're an adrenaline junkie, we don't tend to train them. We tend to go do move, these big moves. They aren't bad. They're great. They build strength that train our big global muscles. And so what happens is when these little muscles don't, they become weak, they don't get used. These big muscles have to take over and they no longer just get to do their job of moving us through space. They also have to help hold us together. So in the case of the IT band, it's not a muscle, but it attaches to like your, uh, what TFL and it's kind of in that general area. Our body has to rely on these bigger muscles in the IT band to hold us up when we don't have the support of these deeper muscles. And that's actually why, they hurt is you can think of it more as a you've got more joint compression, but also these muscles are talking to you because they're exhausted. They're actually overused because they, they have to do two jobs at the same time. Does that kind of make sense? Oh, it definitely does. Definitely does. Um, so what are some ways that we can make sure that our, our hips are strong enough that, that we don't, um, they're strong enough to, to do exactly what we need them to do, no matter if it's under load, if it's not under load, like on a daily basis, what are some things that uh, you can you can tell people that they can make sure they're, they're doing? Yeah, and I mean, that's a great question. It's one of those things where I think it's, um, I mean, it, 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 you're really looking for well-rounded fitness programming in moderation. Funny how that is always the theme, right? Right, so, smart, smart training. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> right, so, so part of it is looking, I think, I'll, I'll, I'll give some general ideas, but I think it starts with looking at what you're already doing and going, what is a missing piece from it? So if you're like, if you're like a sensation junkie that loves to stretch all day, you probably need some strength and stability. If you're a cardio junkie, you probably need some strength and stability. If you are a heavy lifter type of person, you probably need, again, stability tends to be this missing piece because uh, <laughs> most of us don't tend to do it because, again, it's not very exciting and it doesn't make you sweat. But the idea would be to try to work your hip joint or train your hips in all directions. So go, okay, am I doing a mixture of movements or a variety of movements that involve hip flexion, hip extension, hip abduction, maybe a little circumduction. So am I using my leg in all range of motions? First, yep. without load, right? Because if you can't do it without load, it certainly isn't going to be pretty when you add a weight. So first thing, can I move my leg independently of having to move my pelvis around? So neutral pelvis in a variety of motions, uh, both through strength and also just mobility. So like, um, what is it called sometimes like quadruped or hand knee rocking? Like, can I actually just glide my leg and my hip joint. And then from there, if you find like, okay, good. So I can actually move my leg through hip flexion, hip extension, all these different ways really comfortably and well, then you start to go, can I keep this integrity in my pelvic position when I go do a lunge or when I go do a squat? So now that I've found this position in terms of proprioception, how can I actually use it in my global movements? So working through that full range of motion going all the way around the capsule, uh, as you mentioned, is so crucial in, in all of the directions. And if you can't do it without load 100%, 
do not start adding weight, especially if you're, you're, you're outside of a machine. Um, you know, obviously that's, that's a good thing about like an ad ab machine, but again, you're working, you know, those, those one way, uh, directions. So make sure you get all, all those that, that, uh, Nikki mentioned. So yeah. let's talk, let's talk a little bit about, about, uh, how to reduce like hip stiffness, um, and, and also risk of, of injury because that the woman that I, that I mentioned earlier, she, she's so caught up in this idea of if she feels anything that might be just a little, uh, uncomfortable in the hip area, she's always questioning, like, is this, is this good? Is this okay? Is this, am I doing this right? Is it enough? Is it too much? And, uh, it's kind of like having to tail her back and say, yeah, this is, these are the things we need to do to make sure that you're not going to have an injury to where you're going to end up in the hospital. And, uh, so what are, what are, do you have any like specific, um, recommendations? Yeah. So if I was going to look at a hip program for someone and let's just say they have a little bit of stiffness or inflexibility again, that the common wisdom is to stretch and I'm not anti-static stretching, but I just have found in my experience in my own body and I'm working with people that it just doesn't really yield great long-term results. If you don't put it with some, hint, hint, strength and stability work. So if I was looking at something in a general sense, the first question I kind of ask is like, what is their pelvic position? Because someone's pelvic position is going to determine some, to a certain degree, the exercises you choose, but also how you think about positioning yourself when you do any hip exercise. So just like, for example, and this is a really, really gross oversimplification, most of us go too far outside of neutral in one direction or another. So for a lot of us, we end up being like butt tuckers. Like we kind of sit with that posterior pelvic tilt with our back rounded under. Right. Uh, kind of like a sad dog. Um, or <laughs> we go into what I fondly call back archers, which tends to be most fitness professionals. We sort of stand with like, it almost looks like our butt is sticking out because our pelvis is so anteriorly uh, tipped. So basically you sort of look like you have a, bit, a big exaggerated low back curve. And so generally, and it's interesting, you can feel tightness in the exact same places regardless of where you are outside of neutral in the posterior or the anterior pelvic tilt. But for posterior pelvic tilters, usually cyclists, desk workers, people have to sit a lot, they actually are hanging out on their hip flexors. Their hip flexors are actually weak and overstretched and they're kind of locked and loaded under in their hamstrings. And so for those people in general, I find like hip flexion is kind of their best friend. So seeing like, how can you actually create hip flexion with a neutral pelvis? Mm, and okay. I mean, ways to do, there's a basically any exercise you do, if you can think about the neutral pelvis, it's like, okay, cool. You're going to create more balance around the hip joint. But for people like that, I might have them start looking at like, okay, what is your end range of motion in your hip flexion? And for the record, this is also helpful for people with the anterior pelvic tilt. They're just going to be thinking about not arching their back more. But for example, like you could like put your foot on like a block or a bench or a chair. And so you're standing on one leg and then seeing if you can lift that foot off the chair. So you come into your end range hip flexion without shifting your hips back and forth or tucking or arching. Does that sort of make sense? 
Yeah, definitely. definitely so does. I might look at their end range in that direction. But then on the flip side, I might go, okay, well, what happens if we put you on your stomach or on hands and knees and you have, we have you lift your leg behind you, say like in half of a bird dog or a full bird dog, can you send your leg behind you into that hip extension and still use that same type of neutral pelvis uh, without shifting back and forth? Uh, so I might look at like hip extension, hip flexion, and then again, like, I might put them on their side and have them do a clamshell or a side leg lift. And again, then you've got your abduction, same thing on their side inner thigh lift. But once they have those moves, then I'm going to go, okay, can you use them standing in gravity? Because it's one thing to fire a muscle when you're lying on your side or on your back. It's another thing to use those muscles when you're actually standing up, which is the way that you would orient in the world. I think it's just coming back to this idea of it's not that there's one perfect exercise. So like the walking right. lunge isn't going to fix your hip. The clamshell isn't going to fix your hip, but this awareness of, okay, okay, what tendency does my pelvis have? And then what does that say about my tendency in terms of how I look at where I position myself when I do the exercise? I think that's the bigger piece than saying these are the three best exercises for your hip, which is great clickbait, but not super great in application. <laughs> it's great. It's really good clickbait. <laughs> so let's dive a little bit into the relationships. And I think you touched on it a little bit but the relationships between your hips and other uh, parts of the body, joints and muscles. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that back around because when you mentioned the cyclist and the desk worker, that popped immediately into my head. So the other piece that we kind of need to keep in mind is most of us have really, really stiff thoracic spines or like that area that's our mid and upper back. I mean, our rib cages are like steel. They don't move. Uh, and people are often surprised to find out that actually they should move. They should be able to like rotate and bend and extend and do all these things. And the thing to keep in mind is if you sit at your car to drive to work and then you sit at your desk to do your work and then you leave work and then you go to the gym and you take a spin class or, you know, on your weekends when you're not driving or sitting, you're, you're cycling, let's just say, that is a lot of time spent holding your ribs or your upper back in one very static position. And while that's not necessarily bad in and of itself, if you can't move that area very well, ideally when we walk and move through space, our upper back, our upper body is allowed to have this certain amount of thoracic movement or the ribs should be able to kind of do this rotation action. And that's what helps propel us through space. A lot of us do not have that. And that's actually why when you watch old people walk, they fall and they shuffle side to side. It's because they, yep. they can no longer twist. So they have to like actually like lean their whole body and like side bend over from one side to the other to get themselves through space. So when you lose that rotation, your body has to borrow that range of motion from another joint. And for a lot of us, that other joint is our low back and our hips. So for a lot of people, they'll be surprised to find that actually their hips feel more relaxed if they do some just gentle movement or mobility work on their upper back. Yep. So that's, that's, that's one piece that I think is often overlooked. People don't really understand why they should be moving their rib cage because again, there's I've never taught a, I've never taught a restorative class where someone said, God, can we work on releasing my ribs? Like I've, I've never heard that happen. Like people come in all the time. <laughs> right. Con okay. Constantly. Your, your clients might be more educated than mine. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> 
right? But people are really surprised to find out like how restricted their ribs are. And then they're even more surprised to find out that when they address the rib cage, their lower half feels better. So I think the rib, I think just upper back or spinal mobility is a really big piece of it. I think the other piece to keep in mind is what is happening in your foot and ankle. Because again, if you have a foot and ankle that can't move, Your body isn't going to stop you from moving. It's just going to borrow that range of motion from another joint and it's going to go up the chain. So it's either going to land in your knee or it's going to land in your hip or your back typically. Yep. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought up the hip, the, the ankle mobility, because I, I don't hear enough professionals talk about uh, ankle mobility and foot stability unless like you're dealing with like runners maybe, but just like the, for the general public, that is it. And it may seem, talk about boring exercises, right? I mean, there are some exercises out there that are, that are extremely important that are some of the most boring that you hit on earlier. And I would say ankles are definitely some of those. And when I have somebody do like uh, dorsiflexion and plantar flexion, just some, some basic movements, you know, I like to have them doing bare feet sometimes depending on how healthy their foot is. Um, you know, but if they're in the shoes all the time, then great. Let's keep our shoes on and do some very basic movements. But I've had people say like, you know, I can't believe I'm paying you for this. I'm like, look, (laughs) I'm like, number one, I can't either. But number two, um, this is extremely important because X, Y, Z. And that's, and that's why I tell like the the woman that I keep mentioning, I mean, you you know, we work on her ankle mobility all the time because I'm like, I'm, I'm not so much worried about like your, her hips, her hips are healthier than she thinks. I'm worried about you shuffling. I'm worried about you not being able to pick your foot up. You know, let, let's get that stuff healthy so your other joints don't have to take the brunt of it. Oh, yeah. And for people who are like, what ankle exercise could I do? Probably the mm. most classically boring, helpful ankle exercise you could do is a freaking calf raise. But you're not, but if you calf raise all the time and you're rolling out to the outside edges of your toes and sickling your feet while usually right. thrusting your pelvis forward like Michael Jackson and leaning backwards at the same time, this is usually how I see calf raises done, that's not really going to strengthen your calves or anything you're looking at. It's just going to kind of land in your low back. So, the trick is not that you did the calf raise. It's that you actually did the calf raise where you landed your weight over all of your toes equally and you held your pelvis neutral, which is shockingly difficult for most of us. Really? How come? Uh, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean, this could be a whole separate podcast, but in terms of <laughs> when you look at walking, most of us do this really funny thing where we walk with our backs, with like our torsos behind us and we heel strike really heavy with our legs out in front of us. Yeah. And so we're basically never over our foot when we walk. And so that part where you have to push off and go through, which is basically the, um, what would it be? The plantar flexion part of the gate phase where you're actually driving through, we're never direct. And so when we go to do a calf raise, we're still in that funny position where our legs are in front of us and our torso is behind us. Yeah. Yeah. The, another one I think is just going the opposite direction. You got plantar flexion with the the calf raise going dorsiflexion. Oh yeah. And that's extremely difficult to do. It is. It's extremely, if you, with, even with a healthy ankle to be able to pull your toe um, and mind you pull your, pull your foot back to your, your shin, but not bend your toes because people will, will bend their toes back and they think they're, they're, they're good to go. But you have a lot more range of motion in that ankle than you might think when you're pulling your, uh, 
your toes back to your knee. So both of those movements are extremely important. And again, the full ankle mobility, the full rotation of the ankle. And again, we, we could spend like an entire podcast just on talking about, you know, ankle health and foot health and, and toe health and everything. But um, how does, so how does hip mobility, do you see anything related to hip mobility and like neck posture, for instance, how that translates up the spine? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the reason why is, and this is, I almost feel like I want to stand up to like help explain this for myself out loud. Do it. You should. But if you, you should. Right. But if you think about standing posture, for example, if your hips have to go forward, again, you're back in that funny little posterior tilt where your butt is tucked under, then usually when the hips go forward, let's say the front of the, the bottom of the rib cage, um, kind of, we do this zigzag thing where basically our shoulders go back and then our head goes forward and we end up in that kind of forward head, head posture. So, and then the same thing can happen in anterior tilt, but basically your body is zigzags. So if your pelvis goes one way too far out of neutral, then the segments above and below it have to go another way. And for most of us, that means our head is not stacked over our spine and our head is like a giant bowling ball. It's really heavy. So if your head isn't stacked over your spine, then your neck has to work really, really hard to hold your head up. That's the really condensed version of what's happening. <laughs> and, that, and that totally makes sense. So, Nikki, I know that you've been working on, on something for a long time that I think you might have touched in the last time we, we had a podcast together. So can you explain um, a little more about the project you've been working on and how people can find out about it? Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, basically, I've created an at-home program uh, that's on an online platform called Hips Don't Lie because apparently my creative my creativity begins and ends with like what was that like a 90s song um <laughs> hips don't lie <laughs> i mean we, we could there, there's all sorts of terrible puns that could be said but i won't even go there uh <laughs> but but the long short of it is it's just uh it's an eight week program that basically focuses on foundational strength and mobility for hips. And it's kind of what we've just talked about for like the last several minutes, which is it takes a mix of corrective exercises and mobility drills and focuses both on, you know, spinal ankle mobility, even upper back mobility, but it's just a way of sort of addressing a lot of the weak links that most of us have in our hips and sort of giving you a nice little foundation. So then if you have like, let's say you're coming, you're just coming out of like coming off of being injured or coming out of PT, it gives you a way to set up your body to ease yourself back into the gym. It's also got two levels. So there's like a beginner level for that. And then if like, let's say like you're an active runner and you're just concerned about the well-being of your hips, like you want to be able to run for a long time or do all the exercises that you enjoy doing for a long time, there's a more intermediate level that's a little bit more athletic and focuses more on stuff and gravity, standing, building strength, kind of more in an upright position, just to better prepare your body for the things that you might want to be doing outside of sitting at your desk. That's awesome. And where can people get a hold of that if they want to find out more? So uh, let me just pull up the actual link, and that way I won't lie to you about where it's at. Well, it is the Hips Don't Lie program. Right. So if you, if you mean, did, I mean, if you lied, at least we know the hips don't lie. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's at my website, which is uh, nablevy.com, which I'll just spell N-A-A-B-L-E-V-Y.com forward slash hips dash don't dash lie because I am that creative <laughs> at creating URLs. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Nikki, can you, can you tell everybody um, 
every other place that you can be contacted. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I'm on pretty much, uh, well, I'm most active, let's say, on Instagram and Facebook. And if you just search uh, on Instagram, my last name, Nab Levy, which is, I know, so easy to spell. Uh, <laughs> or if you just search Nikki Nab Levy on um, Facebook, you can find me there. Perfect. Nikki, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. This was fun. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, get in touch with Eric on any social media platform, at Eric Feigl, or email fcp at ericfeigl.com. Make sure to check back every Tuesday and Thursday for more fitness candor. <laughs> 